Yeah, welcome to a thousand miles to light podcast, radio cast, every cast. We've got every cast and every family here, and we we're actually joined today by two very distinguished and important gentlemen, the people from the Australian Army that have. Well, without them, we actually wouldn't be here, and uh, it's taken them uh, a considerable amount of effort um, above and beyond. They've uh, gone through fourteen days of quarantine. Um, joined us here, put. Oh, I'll let them explain. We have uh, two very important people. I'll let them introduce themselves so I don't get their titles wrong. Uh, we'll uh, we'll start with uh, start with Harry. Uh, good day, team. Uh, my name is Captain Harry Keynes. I come from Headquarters Seventeen Brigade, and I'm Officer in Command of Task Element Lightspeed. And uh, Brad, uh, maybe introduce yourself with your lovely sultry voice. <laughs> yeah. Good evening, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, Warrants of Class One, Brad Millen. Um, also from Headquarters 17 Sustainment Brigade. And uh, so my role here is uh, what's called the CSM or the Company Sergeant Major. Uh, and that role just in- entails enabling the boss, Captain Harry Keynes, and making sure all the little one percenters are done, looking after some logistics, catering, transport, and uh, all the stuff in the background that enables the boss to concentrate on his planning and executing the mission. So I'll start with you, Harry. In, uh, in normal everyday duties, um, this isn't what you would normally do. Maybe take us through what you do uh, in the Army and, and the importance of your role. Well, that's an interesting sort of question. The way an officer's job plays out really depends on where they are, what, what their appointment is, so what their responsibilities entail. Um, for me at the moment, most of my work revolves around making sure other people are trained. But when this job came down... It was a chance to do what I do best, which is get out um, and command a team. This is a small team in this instance. And get out there and provide effects. It provides a lot of job satisfaction. That's what officers sign up to do, is command people out of the office. What a lot of people don't realise is a layman would say, hey, look, it's just a bunch of runners running around an army base. And why would the army want to take on something like that? What we've learned is it's actually not about the task, it's the processes that inv- are involved in the task. Take us through the similarities and also what, what makes your role when you deal with the civilian population uh, very important. You're going to have to rephrase that. Gordo. I've got no idea what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the difference when you speak to a civilian and, and, and military. <laughs> so because I've been with him and dealing with Harry for a few months now, I'm going to try my best military speak. So um, how do you throw down a supply chain in order to operate a forward base where civilians are actually partaking in extracurricular activities? Oh, I see. So essentially every, every function you want to do, whether that's driving from Broken Hill to Byron Bay or if it's going up to Singleton to go for a run or doing something else completely different, it always involves links and nodes like going from places and getting to places and then requirements like what needs to be there how it needs to be there and organizing it to get there all these things are tied together with things like control measures which is like timings and rules and planning and stuff like that making sure you know who's in each car those sort of things and it comes with years of experience you get very good at understanding what to worry about what not to worry about what to give to other people to worry about and then that's how you end up with a plan like this. This one was thrown together in basically a day. Once we knew that we were going to Singleton, 
We threw this one together real fast. Some other things are far more complicated, like getting 60-something people from Broken Hill to Byron Bay. Far more complicated, but at the same time, realistically, it's the same skeleton. It's the same set of problems. How many people do I need to feed? How am I moving them? How, how do I get them electricity? How do I get them entertained when we're there? All those things. And Brad, uh, you're used to, I guess in, you have varied roles, but in this case, uh, if we draw a parallel to uh, a, an army operation, army personnel work very hard. They're very hungry. Correct. They're not as fussy with food. Mm-hmm. Was this a challenge for you? And, and what, what were your thoughts when you were presented with this task? Yeah, so good question. Um, and you're right. So the, the, the catering the catering problem, you know, it's different and it's varied. Certainly my experience in 27 years in the catering corps is uh, I've been fortunate to be exposed to a lot of different commands with it, taking care of the nutritional requirements for special forces, for, for the Governor-General, for conventional you know, infantry, armoured, artillery, logistics. So, so, so I guess I, I have a very good broad experience. Uh, and like Captain Hurricane said, this isn't really that different, just there are some unique specialty requirements uh, that I haven't been exposed to before. Um, that these uh, super duper ultra marathon runners, uh, yeah, I've never, I've, I've never taken really an interest in the sport, what their needs are, but but I've learnt very quickly um, that, that that they're they're very unique in their demands. But what's fortunate about what we do in the armies, we're adaptable, and, and we just get shit done, um, and, and that's been uh, sort of sort of how I've approached it, and the soldiers enabling the boss. Uh, to execute his mission. Do you think uh, there are some things that you might take from this when you go back into your, your general duties within the Army that you might have learnt or could apply? 100%. So uh, Army's taking a, a very keen interest in uh, human performance and nutrition at the moment. So we understand that for our soldiers, our manoeuvre, our infantry, to do what they do, uh, what Catering Corps can bring to the table is give them the right nutrition for them to fight longer and not crash and burn. So certainly what I've experienced on here and talking to the athletes, understanding their diets, how they eat, uh, and how, the, how they use nutrition and food to, you know, to fuel and perform is certainly something that I can take away professionally and take back to Army. And Harry, uh, we'd have to cover this at some point. It's challenging times. And I'd like you to explain that it's also challenging for the army and there's been a lot of sacrifices made to make this happen. So people that listen to this in the in the wider civilian community and maybe other military channels realise that this is an extraordinary community engagement that would fall in line with supporting other events that may have occurred. Yeah, I guess it's, um, it is adverse times. We all know that. My personal feeling is that we'll move through it. Like, we will get through it. There's been worse times before. There's been world wars. There's been pandemics. I think the way it is at the moment, I know the best I can say for defence is that they understand exactly the community's concerns and they're making sure that they are the exemplar to society in how they treat the risks and concerns of the population, which are completely completely reasonable to understand. So defence really spared no effort 
in making sure that we could be here and that involved us being committed to quarantine early and involved a significant amount of risk mitigation um, prior to uh, any decision we took and make sure we understood exactly what we were doing and how we could control it and extremely detailed COVID safe planning um, which is uh, above the thresholds expected of us and required of us by New South Wales Health. I think the fact that we uh, are risk adverse in that fashion, we, we do seek to make sure that we um, treat as much risk as possible. I think it makes us a, a very progressive and forward-thinking organisation to make sure that we don't um, cause undue risk. And we can kind of see, ironically, that there has been outbreaks in the locations we would have gone to, and this is breaking news today, that had we been there, the, the primary concern would have been that that was us. Even noting that we were very much COVID negative, that was that was always going to be the case with our uh, risk control system. And uh, on a lighter note, um, the athletes themselves, um, there is a, a, an extremely high level of performance. Um, you know, you're a you're you're a fit lad. Are, are there any observations that you've made of, or either of you, any observations you've made of the athletes and their ability to do what they do, even though it's at an early stage? You know, it's it's funny to look at how different they are and how they go about their business. There are, there are some physiological constructs or constitutions we're looking at. Like you see the way Shan runs. You know, he has he has an extremely interesting gait where he minimises effort like through his body. It's funny looking at how someone like that performs compared to like a conven- a very conventional runner like Pat. So it's interesting to see not just how they perform their action, the way, they, the way they're running or something like that, the way they approach their run, the way they prepare themselves mentally and physically. Some of them don't sit down. Some of them don't stop eating. Some of them don't seem to sleep or anything. It's quite interesting. Though These are athletes. They are like the uh, adjective, or sorry, the description goes. They're somewhat like a Formula Ones where they're finely tuned machines and that's very different to soldiers who who seriously go through some rough and tumble and they come out really lean and mean and and yeah quite tough when they go through their training continuum and uh, and Brad you've you've spent a long time in the military what attributes of the uh, the Australian army do you do you feel could maybe assist in uh, the performance of, of of the athletes that you've seen yeah, sure. So, I mean, from the outset, it's admirable what they do and what they put their bodies through. I mean, when you look at us, you know, our fitness requirement is two 2.4-kilometre runs a year, you know, and these guys are probably doing a whole career's worth of our fitness assessment requirements in, in a period of 10 days. Um, so, so that's very admirable. Um, so you're talking about, yeah, values and traits. Um, one thing I've noticed, and it's not a negative thing, but... Uh, so, so I imagine, you know, and I've sort of had a little bit of background on, on these uh, ultramarathon runners. It's an individual sport. So they're by themselves. I don't think they've had a lot of time exposed in teams or time in teams. Um, and, I th- and my observations are this is a new concept for them, doing this as a team event. Army, we're all about teams. Like we, as individuals, we don't work. As a team, we get the job done. So that's probably one observation, a trait 
um, I certainly think that they could learn from us in, uh, in how to do teamwork better. Well, we're coming to the end of our podcast, but look, it goes without saying that, that you are in the, in, the, in the most positive way, gentlemen, and it's been extraordinary uh, meeting you both. And I hope all our listeners uh, can appreciate what has gone on. So on behalf of the 1,000 Mile to Light team and the wider crew, thank you and thank the Army. That's, uh, that's bye from me. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you.